Welcome again to Highly Questionable. We are joined today by a very attractive man and also Pablo Torre. Let's get started. Which fan base should be more excited about their new head coach, the Panthers or the Giants? I honestly don't believe that many of the people giving gas bag opinions on this today who had not heard of Joe Judge before he became a coach all of a sudden who rose from anonymity like all the other coaches who have stood next to Belichick, I don't believe we are qualified to tell you whether these people will be good or not. I just have to marvel at what Matt Rule just pulled off from Temple through Baylor. We do not learn the lessons of Greg Schiano won at Rutgers, so let's put him in the NFL and think he'll win. Nick Saban did not succeed in the pros. And now here comes Matt Rule, and he caused a bidding war that gets him the John Gruden guaranteed dollars. Salute to my agent who represents that out-of-work Elvis impersonator, Mike McCarthy, and this guy for making round people in sports get money. I don't know how you can be a Giants fan base and be excited about the second choice because they obviously wanted Matt Rule and did not get Matt Rule. He took the Carolina job and did not even go to the Giants interview here. But look, it's it's impossible to decide who's going to be good, who's not going to be good. We look at Bill Belichick's tree and you have some hits and it mostly misses there and you can't really say that the Giants are going to have something exciting there. They're talking about Jason Garrett as an offensive coordinator and Jason Garrett and excitement don't really go well together. I don't know what Matt Rule has to offer the Panthers as this potentially offensive mind but I know it has more intrigue than anything really the Giants have created so far. I must admit that this whole coaching hiring season feels like a draft that none of us did much homework before. And so Matt Rule, hey, I looked up a highlight of you once and therefore excitement. And Joe Judge, yeah, I have never heard of you. Therefore, you're the Slovakian guy coming in from like the second level who all of us are very mad that you are now a person with some influence and celebrity. But if you're a Panthers fan, this is what you're excited about. Jerry Richardson has a statue of himself and two very anatomically explicit Panthers standing outside the building. Matt Rule is David Tepper, the new owner's statue. This is the monument to David Tepper. So do you trust David Tepper? Do you trust the private equity billionaire who is the cutthroat, arguably merciless guy running your franchise now? Because this is going to be a team made in his image. So all of this really is... How much do you trust the owners? And by the way, if you're the Giants and you're going to tell me, Giants fan, that we're going to put Jason Garrett as your offensive coordinator when the whole thing with Jason Garrett was you're a good people guy and not the X's and O's guy, that tells me maybe I shouldn't have much faith in that ownership group either. The Giants need to be worried in general about everything happening with Gettleman, who's willing to go off the yes. board crazily on Daniel Jones and everything else because he believes that he's smarter than everyone else. And he behaves in a way that he sees things that the rest of us don't. Here he's seeing something that a lot of people don't know about. And I love, by the way, that after this, because Izzy, you're right, I immediately thought, oh, Matt Rule, like the Giants wanted that guy, but then we're getting reports that the Giants seemingly did not want him because they wanted Joe Judge from the beginning, and that makes me think, wait a minute, Dave Gettleman worked for the Panthers before he worked for the Giants? Is this all about Dave Gettleman putting a finger in the eye of his old team? Because that's kind of the only agenda that I trust at this point. Dave Gettleman trying to prove to everybody else how much smarter his gut is than our brains. What should Tom Brady expect from the open market? 
I think it's really hard to say, given what we've seen, which was Tom Brady said publicly, hey, looking forward to being a free agent. I can't wait to see what that feels like. And since then, all he's done is lose leverage because he lost football games. And we all saw what we thought was a decline that should have come four, five, six years earlier. This year, it's the least leverage he's ever had as he goes on the open market. So when you check in Tennessee and will they get rid of Ryan Tannehill or you look at the Chargers and say, well, they already have a problem with an aging quarterback. You're going to go with someone five years older than him. It becomes difficult to see this playing out the way the Peyton Manning thing played out where you got helicopters chasing him around because everyone knew it would bring them a championship. He's going to get some money from somewhere, but I think it's pretty hard to say where right now, and I don't want to see him running around at the end of his career in a Titans uniform. It is hilarious to me that the only thing we knew for sure is that Tom Brady wanted freedom. What do you get the guy who has everything, the supermodel wife, all of the rings, houses everywhere? He wants the ability to choose. But what Dan is saying is really interesting because what if that desire for freedom actually hinged on this presumed invulnerability? Like one of the things we're learning about today is that Tom Brady actually played a lot of the second half of this season banged up elbow foot stuff and I was under the impression that Alex Guerrero for all of his like fake degree in Chinese medicine and cures for cancer and concussions he was supposed to be the guy to keep him upright and healthy so is Tom Brady grappling with his own mortality and the realization that he doesn't actually want to go anywhere else because Dan I agree with you on this all of these other options whether it's the Colts the Titans the Raiders all of them none of that seems particularly graceful for a guy with everything else but the freedom to choose Yeah, to me, it would have to be the attractive super team that's set up just to put Tom Brady in place and win a Super Bowl because that is the final goal. He's not coming back for anything else to show he can play until he's 50. It is just for Super Bowl. So in this situation, of course, he'd be more comfortable taking the team friendliest deal and telling the Patriots, look, What's your plan to build around me if I take this deal? If it looks like it has a pass-catching tight end in there, a couple more wide receivers, and maybe a defense that can play to this level of this year, and he says, let's make one more run at it, I think that'd be great. I think it'd be good for Bill Belichick, because while you read things that they have faith in Jared Stidham, his backup there, you also read that, hey, maybe they need another year to develop him further. And if you want the storyline of all storyline, one year to extend Tom Brady's career, and the only way to do that is Super Bowl or bust. Hey, that's a great storyline. Build around him. I think even Bill Belichick, again, with that one year to wait for Stidham, if that's their choice, is willing to ride that wave. That is how you pronounce it, right? Stidham. I think that's a good question. I think we should air that because he just gave us expertise. I don't know. I didn't know before he said it. I looked up this dude's name three times yesterday, and I keep forgetting it. There's an H in the middle of that last name. Silent, though. Which XFL rule change is the most intriguing? Two forward passes on the same play is what I'm going with. Now, the first one has to be behind the line of scrimmage, but are we going to see a quarterback lined up like a punter way back there taking a long (laughs) snap so that they can revolutionize offense and throw the first pass behind the line of scrimmage and then have a second pass? It sounds ridiculous, but if they're looking to open up the field, open offense, make it a little unpredictable, the rule changes are a good place to start because they've got plenty of them. It sounds ridiculous. And it would also look ridiculous. My ridiculous rule change wouldn't look that bad. It's just about score. 
In the final two minutes, now the XFL is proposing you do this throughout the game. I say in the NFL, in the final two minutes, make it no kick involved, no extra point, so it would eliminate extra points altogether, and you have the option of going for one from the two-yard line, going for two from the three-yard line, or going for three from the ten-yard line, which would make any game within nine points still a one-possession game. I love that idea. I am all for the XFL getting weird. I'm for those rules you mentioned. I'm for the running clock. But can I just remind you what the XFL of my childhood looked like? Because this is Vince McMahon taking over a football league, and all I've heard are a series of respectable suggestions. Like, I fell in love with the XFL for three words. You guys know what those three words are? He hate me. He hate me. That is correct. I just want names on the back that you can make yourself. And Vince McMahon at last check talked about proper surnames. And it's not even like the no protesting <laughs> stuff that makes this uncomfortably respectable. It's just the idea that why are you trying to be like the Alliance of American Football? Go be pro wrestling. Go be the soap opera. And I know you can't do the thing where the guys like run at each other at full speed to get the ball to decide who gets it first. That seems like a thing we can legislate out. But the names, get that back. Why are we not doing that? But they're almost sneaking in those head-to-head collisions by doing things like this, right? The NFL says, hey, we're taking away kickoffs as much as possible because those are the most violent collisions. What is this XFL saying? What is Oliver Luck saying? We're listening to the fans. We want more of that. So they're encouraging more of these kickoff collisions. And that's not exactly, you know, human safety. Yes, more concussion settlements. That's what <laughs> yes. we need. Also, they've got more officials. They've got nine officials on the field. <laughs> so they have one guy, one guy whose job do. is to simply properly place the ball, oh, which okay. he will then do improperly. <laughs> They still use in chains, by the way. They still use in chains, like all this futuristic technology. And still, many officials, one chain. Old men. Is Jerry West getting ahead of himself by saying Luca will be better than Dirk? Uh, I feel like Jerry West is a little bit late to this party when you look at some of the numbers and you see that his first two years in the league, this is indisputable, across the metrics, whether you're looking at the basic ones or the advanced ones, Luke has been better than LeBron James his first two years in the league, which is stunning. And what Jerry West has just put his name on is also surprising because we know Dirk Nowitzki is a Hall of Famer. And Jerry West, who's always been a very good player evaluator through decades as the game has changed, is telling you that this... This guy is better than Hall of Fame. This guy is the elite kind of superstar that no one questions when he goes in on the first ballot. Listen to Jerry West. Jerry West is not merely the basketball oracle in a way that we don't often find consensus basketball oracles that Dan referenced. But he also gives me an opportunity to say, hey, listen to Jerry West as opposed to counting triple doubles. Because if I may get on a mildly high horse here for a second, the whole thing with Luca and these triple doubles is infuriating. And it's simply because I find the triple double to be the fakest of all stats. It is a stat that we only came up with because it sounds cool. Triple double. That's the only reason. If, for instance, in the Chinese language, 10 was simply one character, it wouldn't even make sense. So what are we really doing? We're making stats that sound cool to prove that a guy who is clearly better than LeBron and Magic at this age are actually, he is actually that good. So thank you, Jerry West, for allowing me to do that. 
I did not expect this to turn into Pablo railing against the triple-double. But reeling this back into the conversation at hand, yes, I think it's pretty obvious. Look, Dirk Nowitzki was one of the best scorers with one of the signature moves, most unstoppable shots in the game. But Luka's game translates to something greater, something more well-rounded, something more LeBron-like. And frankly, if this was an American player doing this with, let's just call it American style of game and a little bit more athletic, we would be marveling at this not as better than than Dirk. That would be an obvious. It would be in the conversation with LeBron. It would drive me crazy about people who want to put a ceiling on what Luca is as they talk about athleticism and he doesn't have it. Well, if at 20 years old he's already perfected the game to this level without said athleticism and that let reasonable level of athleticism won't drop for another decade. I'm fine with this guy averaging 30-point triple-doubles for me for the next decade. Yes, that's already better than Dirk Nowitzki. And by the way, if we're talking about these sort of national stereotypes or continental stereotypes, yes, Luca is very European after the game when he talks about how none of these stats mean anything to him. But did you see the video of him in the game? Because it is wildly American for him to tell someone, hey, you know how many points I have through three quarters? 34. <laughs> Count those. That, my friends, is an American. In your face. Coming up next on my Soul TV show. If you've ever seen Booger McFarland's hand on the Monday night telecast, three of the fingers on one of those hands go like that. Did it look like that? Oh, dude, look like that. That's how Whoa. it looks right there. That's how Booger McFarland's hand looked. <laughs> Time to play the game that feels like he is now qualified to be an NFL head coach. Do you question? You give us topics and events, we question all of them. Do you question whether Joel Embiid is too chill about this? All right, so we've got Joel Embiid beating the Thunder last night, and some teammates were involved as well uh, by seven points, but he also hurt his finger. What happened here? Ooh. Mm. I heard yeah, these guys. These yeah. guys are built differently than we are. Like, if you've ever seen Booger McFarland's hand on the Monday Night Telecast, three of the fingers <laughs> on one of those hands go. Did it look like that? Oh, dude, look like that. That's how Whoa. it looks right there. That's how Booger McFarland's hand looked. <laughs> Just like Whoa. that, except it doesn't uh, go back into place. Let me tell you, he's going to get a lot of credit for playing it cool when you actually saw the injury, but look at his and listen to his reaction when he first notices it. Like, he Ouch. is, oh, 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 oh it's just hanging the, there. And the trainer has to go in there and actually <laughs> yank at it and pull at it. Uh. Meanwhile, smash cut to NFL executives who are like, Thank God people care about these injuries and not the invisible ones that no one's sympathetic <laughs> yes, neurons actually yes, fire for. Yes, like, paper yes, cuts. Yeah, Ooh, no! Look at Mike Muscala's reaction here. You think that uh, he's used to seeing fingers go in that direction? Oh! oh. That's right. That's right. Oh. You know it's a great reaction when you can't hear it, but you still have to blur out the mouth. You know it's a great reaction when the reaction could also be substituted for, like, a dunk. When you feel the way about an injury that you do about a dunk, like, oh! <laughs> that could happen to all ten of his fingers, and he would still shoot threes better than Ben Simmons. <laughs> How dare you? It's Brett Brown's fault, though. Do you question if this is a good cycling strategy? There are only a couple of times that we go out to cycling. One of them is if there's a terrible crash. Another one is if there's a guy in his underwear running with a pig next to a bicycle during the Tour de France. So which one is this? Is this going to be a terrible crash or a guy with a pig or Hoping something? For a pig. Strategy. Yeah, I'm rooting for underwear pig. Yeah. 
U.S. Cycling Championships. Go, 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 go. Whoa. Oh, that is a good strategy. <laughs> wait a second, wait a second. Speaking of reactions, all you need to know about how good this video is is lay out and listen to this guy's reaction right here. Oh, oh my God. Can we again look back, though, at our competitor there who thought he saw a real opening because the clown at the beginning of the race had run into the tape, and he's coming in, zooming in. He's like, I got this thing right now. I'm going to catch him. This guy's stuck in the mud. Tripped by the tape. And if you thought cycling wasn't a spectator sport, you were wrong. But not only did that guy get caught up in the red tape, by getting caught up in it, if you can rewatch this... He ends up freeing the guy who did this to him in the first place. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I didn't even notice that. <laughs> oh my God! That's right. That is the so proper close. reaction. That guy was stuck in the mud. I was gonna win. Instead, I just gave him liberation. Oh yeah, get out there. Go take your first place. Time to play the game that's a master of faking human emotion. Dan, I really value your friendship. See? Wow. Oh, no. You tell us what's on television. Uh, one of us will inevitably be intrigued. On a highway near you, Gardner Minshew's cross-country road trip. Oh, does this involve truck testicles? Because Gardner Minshew seems like someone who would have a truck with those testicles on the back. What do we have here? Is it that or is it something like that? Hello. Gardner Minshew here. Hello. After a long rookie year, I've decided to take a step back. Recenter myself the only way I know how. Hopping in my brand new RV and touring this great country. So if you're anywhere between Jacksonville and LA, I want to hear from you. Places to see, anything for free, food to eat, people to meet. Hopefully I see y'all out there on the road. But until then, keep it rolling. I mean, that's about what we expected that to look like, except I thought the jean shorts were a little bit higher than they needed to be. Izzy, are you intrigued? Are you kidding me? I was going to talk about him and I having this connection. I went RVing last year in New Hampshire. It was very nice. But all I could think of is that jorts have never been worn better than by Gardner really? Mitchell. Like, I'm glad like he's that. famous now. Okay, because that was showing a lot of thigh. Pablo, are you intrigued? I'm fine with the thigh, but it's the concept that I'm out on. Gardner Minshew's whole glory is that he looks like a guy who's in an RV playing football. That's the novelty. If you're just going to tell me that the guy in the RV is just a guy in an RV now, like, no thanks. Tonight on ABC, Jeopardy, the greatest of all time. Yes, this is good here. This is the three best players we've ever known. The names you know from Jeopardy. Let's see what we have here for a clip from Jeopardy. What is Jeopardy, the greatest of all time? Ken Jennings, Brad Rutter, and James Holtzauer return to compete in the <laughs> epic television event with 74 wins under his belt and combined winnings of over $3.3 million. Ken Jennings' success has certainly made him a Jeopardy legend. You're killing me, Alex. I know, I know, but you're killing us. Look what you won. <laughs> this player won over $4.5 million throughout his Jeopardy appearances, making him the biggest winner of any game show, period. This is Brad Rutter. The biggest money winner. Are you kidding me? James Holzhauer holds the top 16 records for the highest earnings in a single day. But will it be enough to take out his competition? You have just set a one-day record again. The first to win three matches 
will take home two prizes, $1 million and the title, the greatest of all time. Yes, they did everything they could to make those grinning freaks look cool, and they did not succeed. Uh, Izzy, are you intrigued? Uh, no, I was kind of excited initially, but then I started thinking about how if you and me and Pablo were on Jeopardy, I would finish third by far, and it just yeah, made I wouldn't sense. do well at Jeopardy. Pablo would run us out of the room. Uh, Pablo, are you intrigued? No, I am not intrigued. I would dominate all of you, that is correct. But I've had my fill of three socially awkward people on television for one day, and also... The big winner in all of that is the slow motion. Like, that thing was doing so much work, just slowing <laughs> it down. That music kind of sort of yes. helped a little bit. It was mostly just the slow-mo. Slow-mo anything, and you'll make someone, I guess, that, Are you sure? Cool. Let's see if we try that here to end the show. Let's go ahead and try to slow-mo all of us crossing our arms yeah. in a posturing That's fashion good, and see if the slow-mo makes it any better. Let's see if it makes us any cooler. Wait, are we supposed to do it in slow motion, or are they going to slow motion? I think talking us? during it sort of ruins it. Mm. Does it ruin it, though? <laughs> That's all the time we have for today. Thank you for watching. Why did I shout that like that at you? <laughs> Three, two, one, pose.